so grateful that we could be here together. Um, we're going to talk not about a super popular subject today, but hoping that God will give us grace to, to seek and savor him and enjoy him in deep and powerful ways. Uh, I don't know why in the last three days, a lot of, uh, some of the sin of my past, has that ever happened to you? Where you like rehearse the sin of your past and remember some of the things that you've done that were really bad and you know are covered by the forgiveness that God gives through Jesus Christ and yet you can't help but feel bad about them as you remember them. I don't know why that's been happening to me uh, in the last two days. Um, but I know that I need this message more than you do. So um, I have to be reminded of the gospel. I have to have it beaten into my head, otherwise I fall into either uh, despair or some sort of like effort-driven way of making myself worthy to God, both of which are terrible and painful. And so today we're going to look at what is it, how do we respond to the sin and the guilt of our past? Because all of us have a past. And so what do you do with it? Many of us are walking around, and so I don't know, uh, those of you who are watching uh, online uh, in your pajamas, you are missing out anyway. Uh, we are grateful that you're here online, but um, whether you're in your pajamas or in your Sunday best, all of us have something in common, and that's this. We have things that we've done in the past that we're not going to tell anyone else in this room. Am I the only one? Yeah? Yeah? Maybe just one of you? Yeah? All right. There are things that you have in your past that you go, oh, yeah, so um, no. Won't be sharing it with you. Won't be telling you what it is. All of us have experienced that. And we can even go through a whole, oh, my goodness. We can go through a whole lifetime in a marriage and have things like that that we keep from our spouse. And so what do we do? What do we do with that? Well, we're not the first or the only ones to have to deal or wrestle with that question. How do we respond to our own guilt? How do we respond to the things that we've done wrong, that we know are wrong? We see it in the scriptures. So today we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Psalm 51. It's a classic psalm on how to respond to guilt and uh, shame. So we'll look at it together. Uh, we're reading, we'll read the whole chapter, starting in verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. 
Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This ends the reading of God's word. So here we have a person who messed up pretty bad, like sinned really deeply. Now, here's the thing. I know if you're here, I know that you have sinned really badly. Only sinners show up to a service. If you don't know that you're a sinner yet, then I'm glad that you were invited. And now you know what we all have in common. We're a mess. And it's cool. Hey, listen, I try to dress up as nice as I can. This is as nice as I'm going to look ever. But just know, all sorts of mess going on over here, okay? And good news, just so you know, all sorts of mess going on over there. It's all of us which is good news. So we don't have to, listen, if we have to have a mask on, at least we don't have to have a, if we have to have a physical mask on, at least we don't have to have a, like a proverbial mask on. Let the mask that we're wearing to help us from COVID, let it be the only mask that we wear. Let's not be Christians who wear multiple masks, wondering why we don't have any deep, intimate relationships, because we, of course we stay so superficial with one another. Let's not do that. So let me tell you, if, since you don't want to confess your sin, and I don't want to confess my sin, let's hear about what happened to David, all right? Because he confessed his sin. So here's the story. And it's, I literally took an entire sermon to speak about the um, superscription right before this psalm, where it describes where this psalm comes from. I literally did an entire sermon. I'm going to truncate it in just a few minutes. So at least you can have, if you're not sort of familiar with the story or if you're new to Christianity or if you're new to this church, let me give you like some background. So David is a king, king of Israel, the most famous king Israel ever had. Second king, most famous. And David is a warrior poet. He's fantastic in every possible conceivable way. God is giving him victory over and over and over again. David one day doesn't, is not with his men out 
uh, in a battle that they're having. They're out in a battle. David is in the castle, and he goes out to his, like, porch or deck or wherever, and his castle being higher than everybody else's, he looks out and he sees a girl that captivates his imagination. He sees a girl that's beautiful and he goes, wow, and he swipes right. And so as he sees her, he tells one of his boys, he goes, go get her. His, one of the, the guys who were there, they lean over and you go, mm, do you mean Uriah's wife? He was sort of giving a dog whistle. He was letting David know because obviously this servant knew that if David knew that this is one of his best friends, one of the guards that protected him and saved his life on more than one occasion, one of the guys who were like womb to tomb, road dogs for David, like, you know, ride or die for David. This, this is one of his, his, uh, one of his personal guards. That guy, that guy's wife. And so when the, the servant gives that dog whistle, David goes, yeah, 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 her. He's supposed to go, oh my gosh, that's Uriah's wife? I didn't know. So he brings Uriah's wife and everything that you think would happen in a Me Too moment does. It's awful. It's terrible. It's gross how a person in power would use his authority to harm and hurt another individual. It was awful. He then sends her away, and no harm, no foul, nobody knows but the servant, and the servant is not going to say anything or else he'll die. So David goes on, and in a little while later, Bathsheba, the one that he uh, was Uriah's wife, um, sends a note to David, and he goes, hey, uh, just so you know, pregnant. Now, Uriah's been out in battle for months. So Dave, what he does is he has, when he sins, because I know none of us have ever done what David does in this moment. David, when he gets caught with sin, what he does is he has a bright idea. Have you ever gotten caught with sin and then had a bright idea? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, no, I know how I'm going to cover this one up. I, and that's exactly what he does. He moves to cover everything up. He goes to cover everything up, and he says, this is easy. Get Uriah. Tell him to come to me. I want to hear about what's happening in the war. Uriah comes. And he says, so, Uriah, tell me all about it. And Uriah starts to tell him all about it. And he goes, Uriah, why don't you have another drink? Tell me more. And tell me about the battles. Have another drink. And tell me about the men. And have another drink. And tell me about the plans and the procedures and all that other stuff. Have another drink. Gets Uriah all liquored up. And then tells Uriah, hey, take it easy. Go. Go be with your wife. And then you can go back to war. Uriah decides that he's not going to go home, but he's going to sleep out on the porch. Never entering his house. Never going into his wife. It turns out that Uriah had more character drunk than David did sober. 
David does that again, tries to get Uriah drunk and get him to be with his wife, he doesn't do it. David then goes, has another bright idea. You know what the bright idea was? He writes a letter, folds it, gives it to Uriah, and he says, give this to Joab. He was literally carrying his own death warrant. The letter said, put Uriah where the battle is fiercest and then pull back from him, ensuring that Uriah and several of his most loyal men, which is to say several of David's most loyal men, would die. Pause. We have rape, manipulation, multiple murders. Now, I just want to pause for one second. This is important. I want us to talk. This is the sweet psalmist of the Lord. This, this guy's after God's heart. This guy has written huge sections of the Bible. The, the prayers that he prayed are memorialized in Scripture. Think about that. Like if you wrote down your prayers, who would read them? Okay, memorialized forever. This guy fell into a grievous sin that you and I just could sit back and go, whoa. So let's pause for a second. Do you think you're any different? Do you think that you won't have moments in your life where you go, whoa, that's pretty bad. I didn't think I would be that grimy, that gully, that dirty. I didn't think that was going to be me. You know why I think God allows moments like that in the scripture? Because he knows how messed up we really are. And he knows how hard we try to fake not being that messed up. And so if David's that messed up, and I promise you I'm that messed up, and might I suggest that maybe you're that messed up, maybe we need to know how to respond to God when those moments strike. Because if they haven't happened already, they will. So how do we respond to this idea of guilt, of doing wrong that we knew we shouldn't do? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible speaks and says we need to, again, old-fashioned word, repent. Repent. Not just feel sorry about not just feel sad about, not just go, oh my gosh, how could you do this? God, give me another chance. Listen to me. The reason God doesn't give you another chance is because he already saw that movie. The reason God doesn't give you another chance with that is because he knows you're going to blow it. That's the point. The point is, is that you and I don't need another chance. What we need is a savior. And we need to go back to God and perhaps think of sin in a different way. Is this mic too loud? Because I feel like I'm whispering in yet. Um, are you guys okay with the volume? Yeah? Okay. Awesome. 
You're fantastic. You're my new best friend. Okay. Yeah, that's, I'll take it. I'll take it. Let's do it. Hey. Um, so how do we respond when we've totally blown it, when we've totally messed up, when our wives won't forgive us, our kids won't forgive us, we won't forgive us? How do we respond? So you got your thing. I hope you're thinking about it. I've got my thing. I'm thinking about it. Let's find out from the scriptures how we're to respond. We need to repent. And repenting then falls into these four movements. These four movements. Because you go, well, then how do I repent? Because if repent is just not feeling bad about, then how do I repent? Well, I think that we see it here. But think about this. David goes from the depths of despair to the exalting God in the highest. Remember, towards the end, he says, then I will teach transgressors, verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. See, David has gone from the depths of despair and guilt and shame all the way up to the heights. And he does it by repenting. So let's see how David repents and see if we can learn. Now, last week, I experienced you and I realized, oh my gosh, there's like kids in the room. So like half of the illustrations that I usually give, I can't give. And I decided that I'm, since there's kids in the room, we're gonna do, we're gonna do motions. This is exciting. You didn't think you were gonna have this much fun at church, I know, right? We're gonna do motions, all right? So I'm gonna show you how to repent and we're gonna do this together. I'm gonna to explain this in a minute, but I want you to see it first, okay? So we're gonna do it in four movements. Here's how you repent. Somebody say, here's how you repent. Awesome. We see it, we say it, we mourn it, we forsake it. So we're gonna do hand gestures, ready? This is an all skate. We're all gotta do it, okay? All right, all right. So they told me that they were gonna revoke your membership on this church if you don't do this. So I don't know how important the membership is, but it's got its perks, so I suggest you follow along. I'm just saying. All right. So we see it, see it, say it, we mourn it, and then forsake it. Let's do it again, okay? So we're going to do it again. All right. You guys are awesome. That was awesome in the first try. All right. So even you with the pajamas and the spaghetti stains on your shirt, here we go. Let's try this together, okay? So we're going to, here's how, all right, let everybody say, here's how we repent. We See it, say it, mourn it, forsake it. We're going to do it two more times because we're really going to get into this. We're going to, here's how we repent. We are going to see it, say it, mourn it, forsake it. Okay, one more time. We're going to see it, say it, mourn it forsake it awesome you guys are doing fantastic all right so let's do it let's do it and on that note let's just end because it's not going to get any better than that all right all right let's try we're going to do it with me we're going to see it stop right there see it we're going to see it now i want you to look in verse four we need to if we're going to address our guilt we're going to need to see as God sees. You see, here's the thing. All right, so let me just show it to you. Um, in verse 4, we got to see it as God sees it. Look at verse 4. He goes, against you 
you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Pause. You go, wait. Un momento, por favor. You didn't just sin against the Lord. I mean, think about hearing that, being Uriah's father. Try being your, Uriah's father and hearing David say, against you and you alone, God, have I sinned. Try being Bathsheba's mother and hearing, you and you alone, have I sinned. See, I think David's taking us a little bit deeper than just the action. See, my problem is, is that my heart breaks. Oh, listen, I'm sorry about the sin of my hands, not the rebellion of my heart. You see, before I ever sin out here, I rebel against God in here. Which is why David says, um, in verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Do you know that after you sin, you never pray, restore to me the joy of your salvation, unless before you sin, you lost the joy of your salvation? The very reason that we sin is because we lose the joy of our salvation. In fact, we say, God, not only do, is there not a joy in my salvation, I think she's going to be the joy. She's going to save me from my loneliness. She's going to, he's going to. That thing, doing this corrupt financial agreement, going in this direction, fudging the truth just a little bit, that's going to be my salvation. That's going to be the joy of my salvation. You'll never pray, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation after you sin, unless you in fact lost the joy of your salvation and you made something else the joy of your salvation. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. See it as God sees it. David is not taking us to the actual act of his hands because he recognizes that there's something deeper than that, that something deeper than that has to happen in order for the Bathsheba moment to happen, in order for the Uriah moment to happen, in order for the people that got killed around Uriah to happen. Before all those terrible, horrible, no good, bad things happen, he has to forsake his God. Against you, you only have I sinned. You see, when I sin, I'm not just breaking God's rules. I'm breaking his heart. I'm devastating the relationship that he's paid such a great price for me to have. This is cosmic treason. And there might be other things that David did that we don't know about, but he knows that the depth of it is this, simply. God, here's the truth about me. So, let's, let me try to make it personal and try to give you some examples at the same time. My problem is not that I yelled at my wife. My problem is that I don't trust God to control this particular circumstance in our marriage. And I feel like if I can intimidate her, then I'll get my way because God can't be trusted with controlling the situation, so I think I need to. The reason that I cheated on my taxes is not because I just, I just want more money. No, 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 the reason that you cheat on your taxes is because 
I don't trust God is going to be my provider. So I'm going to fire him from that position and make myself my own savior in that position. The reason I'm going to sleep with my boyfriend is because my biological clock is ticking. And I go, well, Jesus, I don't trust that you're going to bring Mr. Right, so I'll settle for Mr. Right now and do with him what I think will help to keep him because I don't trust that you'll bring me the right person that you'll keep. You see, before we sin against someone else or sin out here, our hearts sin against God. We got to see it. We got to see it. I didn't just break, listen, I didn't just click on to the site and then broke the dirty picture rule. Oh, the dirty picture rule, terrible. How could I have done? No, 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 don't you understand? There's something else that I'm looking to as my delight rather than Jesus. We've got to see the sin that we've committed. So let's do the first two. If we're going to repent of our sin, we're going to have to see it and then say it. Stop right there. Let's say it. Okay. We're going to have to say it. So we're going to have to see it. We're going to have to say it. Let's look at say it. Look at verses uh, 5 and 7. If we're going to, let me just, before I say this, when we say it, what we're doing is we're going to confess. And before, okay, listen to me. Before you close me off, I know like, most of you close me up like, I ain't confessing to nobody. I'm going to grave with this one. <laughs> you ain't going to get me. There's a nice jacket, but I, ain't, I don't care what you say. I am not confessing anything to anyone. That's, a, that's against my rule. And I get that. I get that. But would you be open to at least confessing to God? And however the Lord might lead you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, sin grows in the dark and dies in the light of exposure. Now, we, we could talk about like the wisdom of who to share that with and when to share it and all that other stuff, and that's a sermon for another day, but I'm just letting you know that you need to let your heart be open, that you got to be willing to say it. You can't be the only one who knows your secrets. If you are, the chances of you, listen, the chances of you revisiting that is pretty high. We have to see it. We have to say it. We have to, we have to confess and take full responsibility. Look at verses 5 and 7. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Let's just stop at verse 5. What David is saying is I got no excuses. I'm not going to blame mom. I'm not going to blame dad. I'm not going to blame my upbringing. I'm not going to blame my circumstances, my culture, my community. I'm not going to blame... I'm not going to blame my wife for the things I click on. I'm not going to blame my husband for the bitterness that I have in my soul. I'm not going to blame my kids for the... Un lack of peace that I feel. I'm not going to blame our, a political party for the injustice that's even in my own heart. Beloved, I've got to honestly say 
No excuses. I've got nothing sinful at birth. This is all on me. I've got no excuses. Now, if you actually confess like that, honestly, it'll kill you unless you go to verse 1 and remember what David said at the very beginning. Do you remember what he said? Have mercy on me, O God. And would you read these next uh, five words with me? According to your unfailing love. Let's say that together. According to your unfailing love. There's this love that God gives that never fails. And we won't be able to confess as raw and as real as we need to unless we're convinced that we're really, really, really loved. Otherwise, you won't feel safe to be that honest. No, but you really are that loved. You really are that pursued. According to your unfailing love, have mercy on me. Notice David doesn't say, um, Pursue justice with me. I want justice for everyone else. I don't know about you. It's amazing how forgiving I could be to myself. It's unbelievable. And how merciless I can be with the sins of others. Listen, when my wife sins against me, it's like just, that must have been just the way she was raised, right? That's just a mess. When I sin against my wife, you don't understand. You don't understand. It's just the natural way I flow. When we say it to God, we need to be as surrendered and convinced of his unfailing love so that when he sees us in all our dirty, in all our grimy, in all our gully, in all our guilt, in all our shame, when he sees us that way, we're reminded that he doesn't wince and he doesn't turn away, but he pursues us greatly. So it's according to your unfailing love. If we focus on God's unfailing love, we'll be able to confess deeply. If we don't, we'll harm ourselves. Here, here's what we do. If you focus on the consequences of your sin, like in other words, when I get upset about my sin, I'm usually upset about the consequences of my sin. Are you with me on that? I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids are going to find out. The church is going to find out. My wife's going to find out. My friend is going to find out. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the consequences right? So uh, let me give you an example, right? I was, um, I was counseling a couple. We do premarital counseling in our um, church. And the guy in the premarital counseling thing for weeks was like trying to test my gangster. I don't know if anybody's ever tried to test your gangster, but he was trying to test my gangster. You don't know what I mean by that. In my church, they totally understand what I mean by that. Let me explain, por favor. 
It was as if he was trying to, what, what's a phrase you would know? He was trying to punk me out. Do you understand that one? <laughs> Some of you are like, all right, okay. It was as if, <laughs> let's try it again. It was as if he was pushing up against and seeing how far he can get away with uh, without having me having a reaction towards him. Okay? All right. So he was, he was being uh, rude. He was being, um, in some cases, belligerent and in some cases, uh, insulting. And I was like, hey, you know, come on, you know, you know, let's talk about this. Hey, let's just think, you know, let's, let's go back to the word. Let's, what does he say? And like all that other stuff. And, and then like, you know, three weeks into it, I totally blew it. I, I, I was as immature as he was. He was um, aggressive with me. I was aggressive with him. But the thing that I was most ashamed about was that his uh, fiance was there to see it. I thought this guy deserved exactly what I told him. But that she was there to see it was what made me feel bad. You see, what does it look like to say it? It's not the consequences. I'm not, I'm not sad that so-and-so is gonna find out or that so-and-so saw me or that I'm gonna lose my job as a result. No, I'm focused on having hurt the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I gotta see it, I gotta say it. If I'm focused on consequences, that results in me hating myself. If I focus on Jesus, that results in my, me hating my sin. We want to grow in hate for our sin. Okay, so we have to see it. Let's do it all together. If we're going to repent, we're going to need to see it, say it, mourn, uh, mourn it. Yes, stay right there. Sorry, mourn it. I looked down and so forsaken. I messed up. All right, so mourn it. Okay, so let's do this really fast. We need to mourn it. The reason I say morning, and you are going to see it right here in this text, look at verse 4. He goes, you and you only. And then verse 12, restore the joy of my salvation. When you and I sin and we put our joy in something else, then when we lose that joy, no matter how sinful and how illegitimate it was, there's a loss there, isn't there? There's a terrible loss there. Just tell anybody who stopped smoking cigarettes. There's a loss there. Oh my gosh, anybody who stopped smoking cigarettes, you know what the number one um, symptom is after you stop smoking cigarettes? You know what it is? It's gaining weight. You know why that is? Because they haven't mourned it well. They're still using, they're still worshiping at the same idol. They're still a handsome out, something to deal with their nervousness, their whatever, you know, to calm them down, to, you know, whatever it is. Listen, we've got to mourn it. We've got to be honest with ourselves. And when I stop watching those images, treating these people this way, acting in this manner, uh, being absent with my children, when I stop that, I have to honestly mourn because my joy was displaced. It wasn't in Christ. It was in this other thing. And so I have to mourn that this is no longer where a legitimate source of me to go to where I've sinned. 
I've got to go, okay, God, would you give me a taste? Would you give me an appetite for you? Okay. So let's say it together. When we repent from our sins, we have to see it, say it, mourn it, and forsake it. All right. So in forsaking it, we look at verse 10 and says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. I don't know about you. I can't change my heart. Have you ever tried to change your heart? Like, that don't go so well, does it? I mean, I mean I'm talking about like I've, especially when I've sinned, I said, I will never do that again. I'm never going to go back to that. You can't make me. And I swear and maybe and okay, just this one last time. And, you know, it's like, it's that fast, man. It's that fast. It's terrible. It's terrible. I've got to forsake it. Now, if you've done the first three, that'll result in the four. It's almost like three, you know, if you do the first three, then you'll re result in the fourth one. You'll forsake it. If you, if you see it as it actually is, that you're no longer breaking, let's say, for instance, the dirty picture rule. If you see it as it really is, and then you say it and you're going, God, I am not sinning. I'm not just breaking the dirty picture rule. I'm, I'm literally sinning against you. And if you mourn it and go, oh, gosh, as deeply as this hurts and you have other people around you to help you mourn it, and you go, oh, man, this, this feels sad, but, Lord, would you be my satisfaction and my joy? Restore it to me. Restore the joy of my salvation. And then that'll lead you to forsaking it, to turning away from it, to going, no, 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 whether that's bitterness or anything else. You're going, no, no, no. That's not what Christ would have for me. He is my joy. He's my satisfaction. He's my all in all. Beloved, if we do this, what you will find is that your heart will move towards repentance and you will actually have repented rather than just feel bad or guilty about some sin that you committed. My prayer is that you would experience this. Now, what would it be like? What would it be like if you actually did this, took the time, maybe even went to one of your pastors and said, can we work through this together? I think I need your help to see it and say it and mourn it and forsake it. I think I might need your help to do that. Or maybe uh, you might have a small group that you need to get around and just go, okay, I think I need to, your help to see it and then say it and then mourn it and then forsake it. What would happen? Here's what would happen. You would live a lot freer. Your joy would be deeper. Your, your marriage, your marriage would experience intimacy that you can't possibly imagine right now. Your, when others um, bring up your past, you'll be more humble. When your spouse tells you about something bad that you've done, instead of being defensive, you, because you have already repented and God has already not only forgiven but reminded you of the price that was paid, Christ's death on the cross, because of that, you'll be able to hear your spouse a little bit more and you'll be able to say, can you tell me more about how that hurt you? Rather than defending yourself, 
because God has already forgiven and deeply changed your heart. You see, everything changes when we repent. We can't do it on our own. We must look to Christ, and we need each other. And so I encourage you, get with your small groups, get with your pastors, get with your leaders. Find in Christ and in his word the joy that you were looking for in those sinful things, and then discover that he is enough. How do we repent? Let's do it together one last time. We see it, we say it, mourn it, forsake it. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this time together. My prayer is that you would lead us. And Lord, I know how much I need this. I don't know how much I need this, actually. You know how much I need this. And so, Lord, would you deepen my desire to repent, my desire to turn to you, my desire to be broken before you, and my doing the thing. For I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys.